Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go papertarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What's up, Open Floor Globe? I'm your host, Michael the Pod Pina, and I'm joined on the other line by my good friend, Sports Illustrated senior writer, Chris Herring. Uh, Before we begin today's show, I just wanted to say that over the past two plus years, uh, we've regularly received emails from listeners who wanted to thank us for however briefly providing the slightest blip of escape while they were in lockdown or quarantining or having a difficult time dealing with something in their personal life. And that has included listeners from Ukraine and Russia uh, to anyone listening anywhere in the world who's impacted by the war that began earlier this week. I just want to say we're thinking about you as you endure something so heartbreaking and horrifying. And no, this is a basketball podcast, but it didn't feel right to begin today's show without at the very least acknowledging what is going on. Um, so I'm not sure how to transition out of that without feeling deeply uncomfortable and awkward. But on today's show, we will be opening up the mailbag and answering a bunch of thoughtful questions. Uh, please send yours to openfloormail at gmail.com. That's openfloormail at gmail.com. Uh, okay, so Chris, haven't talked to you in a few days. Uh, not a ton has happened in the NBA universe since, so I figured today would be a good time to bounce around the league, zoom in, zoom out, and answer as many mailbag questions as we can. Um, our first email comes in from Oscar, who writes, uh, As we move into the later part of the season, I started thinking about what winning a championship would do to the legacies of certain players. I'd be interested to get your thoughts. Uh, What about Steph Curry? Would winning a fourth make him the greatest point guard of all time, if he isn't already? Uh, Does he officially usurp LeBron as the face of the league? What about Kevin Durant? Bearing in mind everything that's been said about KD and what's what's happened this year with the Nets, what would this mean? Would it elevate him into the top 10 all time? Uh, what about James Harden? Uh, lots to unpack here. Uh, what about Giannis? <laughs> Would it cement him as the number one player right now? What about LeBron? Total long shot, but what if? Uh, thank you from Oscar. Um, thank you, Oscar. That was a wonderful email. Um, I guess, yeah, Chris. So just, you know, by winning a title this season, which star... It's a fascinating question. Which star do you think would um, just have the most impact on their individual legacy? Um, well, I had like two answers. One that is going outside the lines of what Oscar laid out for us, but the other is is just kind of my own thought. My one answer is Giannis, I think. Um Oh, was not expecting that. Um I mean, I can't remember whose bright idea it was to, you know, to lay out like the man's basketball resume last year after he won 
finals MVP and, you know, he won a championship for the first time at age 26. But it was like it was like that meme, if you've ever seen the one with Kobe and LeBron and then Michael comes in. They've all got their trophies assorted in a room and, Mm -hmm. you know. Kobe's like, I have this. And then LeBron's like, oh, that's cute, but I have this. And then Michael's like, boys, boys, please quiet down. And then he's got like three rooms full of awards. Um, Giannis has that sort of resume already. He's basically got not a LeBron style resume, but he's got a more diverse resume than LeBron has as far as what he's accomplished in basketball. He's still really, you would hope, entering his prime as far as how old he is. He's mm-hmm. proven to be pretty indestructible injury-wise, even when he's been injured. Um, and this would give him a title. There were people, and I think it's fair to include you on this list because we we fundamentally disagreed a little bit in terms of whether Giannis or Katie should be ranked number oh, one. Oh, here comes the call-out. Here comes the call-out. Um, <laughs> we, we fundamentally disagreed on that in part because of, you know, uh, being able to, to fight through injuries, not getting injured. But I think some people viewed last year as kind of a fluke that okay the nets were banged up last year that's the only reason that the the bucks advanced you know you can maybe call it that way one year if you want to i would not be putting an asterisk next to the championship they won last year but you know to me this removes all doubt but also now harden is not even on the nets anymore now he's on a team that has become another force in the east when you look at Embiid and and James Harden with Philly so to me Looking at it that way, it's only more difficult to get another championship now, not to mention that the Suns look just as good, if not better, not to mention that the Warriors are back. Um, I think that you have to just kind of put him, you know, you have to start questioning now where Giannis belongs in terms of like we, we, we talk about Steph in the top 15, top 10. You've got to start narrowing down that conversation for Giannis pretty soon at age 26, 27, which is a scary thing to do. But Mm -hmm. if he wins another title without really having gone and altered his cast in like an unnatural way, superstars aren't buying in and joining that team. You know, we all said that Chris Middleton really didn't deserve to make the all-star team this year. This would be pretty monumental for him. So he's the one. The other person I would mention that wasn't on the list that uh, that Oscar provided was Jokic. He's a little bit young to start thinking about it, but I, I also think it starts to get late very early sometimes in these conversations and all of a sudden you look up and someone like James Harden doesn't have a championship. You fast forward five, six, seven years, Jokic would potentially be at that same point. We would understand why given some of the injuries his teams have faced, but uh, it's very feasible that, you know, there's always going to be a guy or two left out in the cold more than one or two in each era that is the best player at at a given time um, or close to the best player at a given time. So, you know, it'd be nice for him to get one too, just because I think at that point you can't really ignore him anymore um the way that i think so many people have done and have suggested that they've done based on the fact that some people didn't understand why he was the runaway mvp last year even though it was abundantly clear to anybody who watched the guy play more than once and it is also abundantly clear right now i'm sorry but it just is um these are (laughs) these are uh these are two really interesting players i mean if Giannis were to go back to back with titles presumably back to back with finals mvps um, you know, Giannis is in the MVP conversation as well. Uh, and we'll see what happens with Milwaukee down the stretch. If Denver really struggles and the Bucks finish first or something, I could totally see, um, Giannis winning that award, which would just be, what's that three and four years? Uh, <laughs> so right. it's, and he, as you said, he'd be doing it as at an age before, Basically, anyone, you know, Magic Johnson, we're talking going back to like Magic Johnson winning titles, but he was drafted and Larry Bird and they were drafted onto teams that already had very good players on them. Um, But yeah, before Michael, before LeBron won their first titles, et cetera, for him to have two would be uh, pretty monumental, I would say, with and like what it would say about going forward, like who would stop him? Because as you said, last year was quote-unquote, a little fluky for a lot of different reasons, including who they had to face in the finals. Right. Um, it would be ridic- just absolutely ridiculous. Like, what, what is happening? How many, like, what, what, what would stop him from winning three, four in a row? Like, I, I don't, I don't know. Especially because 
he would be playing the five, assuming that Brooke Lopez doesn't come back um, and is the same force that he was last year, or at least the same figure that he was last year um, on both ends of the floor. So it would become more impressive. I mean, also, I think we have to, you know, we have to leave room for the fact, too, that I think people underestimated Phoenix last year, like to some people that thought Phoenix made it as a fluke last mm-hmm. year uh doesn't look like a fluke now at all i mean it's it's virtually the same roster a tweak here or there a different center rotation but that team is completely legitimate to the point where they hands down look like the best team this year so i, I the fact that it's only looking like a stronger case for him i understand what you're saying about Jokic, and, and i i don't I'm, I'm not in a position where i'm going to say he clearly is the guy that deserves it now over somebody else but I understand the inclusion in the argument. I think he's a top two, top three guy in that race. And I think it will reflect that, you know, when the votes come out um, later in the year. But Giannis, man, like his case is only getting stronger. And I think the scary thing is that if he does win another MVP, he does win another title, all of a sudden you look at his resume, man, with, uh, you know, LeBron is really the only person I think that has a clear cut case in like recent basketball memory that's going to clearly have a resume better than his. Um, mm-hmm. you know, based on what does he have? No four titles. He's got, I think, four MVPs and obviously the finals MVPs to go with them. But Giannis again is a little bit of a different player. Um, and will have accomplished other things that LeBron did not. So, um, as far as defense player of the year, it, it, it's just a, it's just a weird thing that we're looking at with Giannis. And, and when you think about how early he would have accomplished it, it gets to be a little bit scary to think that his game isn't completely rounded out. And um, that he still is at an age where he can improve um, where we've talked about Giannis or I'm sorry, LeBron so long as being at least the second best player of all time. Like where do we start thinking about Giannis in that conversation? If he starts to add to his hardware, not necessarily top two, top three yet, but you know, it's kind of rarefied air when you start talking about two titles, two finals, MVPs, defensive player mm-hmm. of the year, beating the cast of guys that he would have beat to do it um, in an era where LeBron still exists in an era where, um, Kevin Durant exists and is healthy enough to finish out a season, you know, with Kyrie Irving on the roster, granted, with some nuance there. But anyway, neither here nor there. Yeah, I mean, Giannis is a total outlier. Um, and the fact that he's done it, quote unquote, the traditional way. Right. And not um, fled Milwaukee for, you know, he could have gone to like Dallas and been Luka Doncic's teammate. Um, you know, you that remember was Steph was trying to talk to him and, and, yeah. and talk him into it, you know, like absolutely it was very clear that he, I think he said, come on, do it, you know, or something like that, where the, all the lip readers went to work when Giannis was out there. I think, I think that was Giannis, him and Giannis. Yeah. They share the same agent. Um, so, or agency. So yeah, that would, that's, uh, Giannis winning another title would be ridic- ridiculous. Jokic winning a title would be uh, that would awesome. cement him as one of the all-time greats. Yeah. I think he'll still be one of the all-time greats, but we'll he see what will. happens. Um, my So my kind of obvious answer, like too obvious answer, was Chris Paul. Um, just because ah, good call. He's, it's the one thing on his resume that he doesn't have. And he doesn't need it to be considered one of the all-time greats. He already is. But... If he plays as well as he has all season in the playoffs and takes his game to a new level, and I, rem- I mean, you remember what he did to Denver in that series, just absolute devastation. Um, <laughs> if he plays that well on both ends and gets to the that right elbow pull-up, fall away, and no one can stop it in the finals, then, yeah, like, I don't even know what you where he goes and how he vaults how high he vaults in this type of conversation. Um, best point guard of all time. I mean, obviously there's Magic Johnson, et cetera, some other great players. But Chris Paul, if he gets a ring, would be – and contributing at this age um, with the ring as, like, arguably the most valuable player on his team, then that's just silly stuff. So That's the Chris problem I think we're running into, man. Not problem a good problem to have as podcasters that need something to talk about um (laughs) but the idea that i think the age question is going to start screwing with us where how much extra credit do we start assigning like for a lot of people no matter what and i'm not a rings person per se but it's going to be a hard sell for a lot of people to say that chris paul 
was a more dominant player or a better player than Magic Johnson with barely squeaking out one ring. Who knows? Maybe they win this year in a sweep. But, you know, the one ring that he would have versus Magic having, what did he have, four? Um, you know, including, Five. I mean, Magic accomplished more ring-wise than, you know, in his rookie year than Chris Paul has in the 15, 16, 17, how many years it's been for him. So a lot of people will never buy that argument. I know, hell, for a while, Chris Paul was neck and neck with Michael Jordan for like win shares per 48 and all sorts of other crazy stuff. So I understand how impactful he is, but it is going to create a new boundary and a new question for people to consider when you've got people that take care of their bodies the way they do LeBron, Chris Paul, these guys that can last and be huge difference makers at 36, 37 at a time where, you know, it used to be that guys were kind of done by 33, 34, meaning that they were running down and kind of diminishing at 30, 31. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I mean, we're we're kind of in a new stratosphere as far as that's concerned, and it it will it will create some interesting questions. I think some of it too is the shooting that's in today's game, where guys don't have to bang in the post. It's it's a less physical game than it used to be, but also just yoga and diet and everything else. You know, just kind of its role in the game. And LeBron spending seven figures worth of money to keep his body in shape um, the way he does, and being able to play with a huge fluid sack behind his knee you know, mm-hmm. or whatever else he's playing with. It's, it's a, it's a new ball game in that sense. So I have a couple of fun ones that are a little, I don't want to say silly for this type of discussion, but before I list them, um, this is it. We've got an Amex platinum pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen, we haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the centurion lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh my, look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Embiid winning a title this year would be just like legendarily cathartic and like instantly cement him as just an all-time dominant center i feel like uh maybe i'm hyperbolizing that a little but i just think that if he like were to lead the league in scoring win mvp um which are two things that are totally on the table for him and then win the title as clearly the team's best player um where harden is kind of you know not harden's harden but not the harden of two three years ago then I don't know. Like, how much different do you think we'll look at Embiid if he were to win a title this season, dude? All I know is that I'm I'm signing up for text message alerts if Embiid wins a title <laughs> or tweets, man. Because that first tweet or that first voicemail to Ben Simmons is gonna be E P I C, my friend. Like, I I need that in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I mean it 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 will it would be pretty epic for him. I mean, a guy that has been dominant since the first game he played in the league. It just was a really delayed ability to do it, you know, because of all the injuries, him fighting through those injuries. And we've seen that with some guys. I don't know that we've ever seen it at this level, Um, but guys be able to kind of take what is an injury marred career and then kind of make something of themselves. This is not making something of yourself. This is like MVP level performance. Um, He's probably the guy that I would put in the driver's seat um, just based on how, you know, I don't know, like maybe I'm becoming a narrative voter and I don't realize it. Also, I don't vote. So maybe I'm just a narrative person. I'm not a narrative voter. I don't like voting on these things. I don't vote on these things. Um, but it, it's just great to see it. This is kind of what I expected all along as far as maybe not. I, I did pick him as my preseason MVP, but I didn't expect him still to be this dominant. I did think mm-hmm. that they would be in the race as far as finishing for home court in the East without Simmons. Um 
but adding Harden to that, it's interesting because um, now he has more help. I could imagine his numbers being a little bit different as they try to strike a balance with that offense, which maybe plays a role here a little bit, um, which if they lose a little bit just because of the fit. And look, I think it's a very fascinating sort of question about fit here. Um, I do think that maybe it, it, it he loosens his grasp on the award. I think he's the front runner right now in most people's eyes. Um, but I, for his legacy, I just think it's one of those things, the same reason I want Jokic to get one. I want all of great players to get one. I'm, I'm an equal opportunity happiness person. I want everyone to be happy. <laughs> I'm a happiness socialist. Um, I want everyone to, to spread happiness, spread love. So uh, if he gets one, I'll, I'll be happy for him just because he's clearly a great player. Um, he's, he's worked hard to, to keep himself healthy. Um, he's battled through COVID, which I think is kind of a sign of the times and, you know, struggled with it coming back. I think he had a, a massive 40 ball um, immediately after coming back, but then was brutal mm-hmm. for like the next three, four games after that, which is kind of a sign of what I think a lot of people go through um, coming off of COVID. But um, I'd be happy for him in the same way that I would be for Jokic. And you get a monkey off the back. I don't think anyone's really pressured Embiid and saying like, oh, he's only this because he's never won a title. But I do think he's going to be great enough by the time it's all said and done to where if he doesn't have one, people say, how did this guy not win one? How did Philly not win one based on everything they did to get him, to get Simmons, to get Markel Fultz? Um, how did it fall apart? So I would be happy for him if he gets one. Yeah, I feel like with Embiid, it's more like just get out of the second round and then we'll kind of talk. Like the, the like the pressure is to at least reach the conference finals, right? Mm-hmm. Like the pressure is not necessarily to win the championship yet um, on him. So I don't I don't know what like big big picture. It would certainly um, put him in a different conversation in a different tier historically, but like right now, it's just kind of like get get to the conference finals, you know, maybe beat the Bucks in a playoff series, maybe beat the Nets in a playoff series, beat the Celtics in a playoff series. Uh, these are the things that he needs to kind of do. They right were now. so close to beating the the Raptors, though, and that's the thing is like, I yes, they've never been there in the same way that Chris Paul had never been there, but mm-hmm. it's like. I, I almost don't worry about that part as much. Like, it's very clear he's been capable of getting to the conference finals before. Chris Paul was very capable and, like, weird shit happened. And that's why that's why they didn't advance. Well, according to Ben Simmons, it was all Embiid's fault that they lost <laughs> to the right, Raptors. Right, right. I don't so. know. To me, based on how close they've been before and how good they've been at times before, how much they've been humming a number one seed at times before. I, to me, go out and win the damn thing. Like, that's kind of where I'm at. It's like, sure. granted, they weren't favored, but at some point, you have to just kind of take it if it's there and if the opportunity's there. That's why I think the, the the drumbeat got louder for them to go out and try to make something happen with Simmons, where Daryl Morey sat on his hands and said, I'm just going to sit here and y'all are just going to like it. Like, we're just not going to trade this man at all if, if I don't feel like it. And obviously he was holding out for a Harden type piece or Harden himself, given Maury's history with James Harden. But even if they hadn't been able to do that, I had been of the opinion, maybe it's wrong now that they're able to make the trade for Harden. You've got to trade him for something because you can't take for granted that Embiid is just going to be this healthy ever again, or this dominant ever again. Um, look at the way the guy's career started. So, um, so I'm 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 just happy that they're in the conversation, and now that they are, you have to go for it. It's the same argument I made about the Bulls and being in first place for this long. Like it's really sexy and awesome to be in that spot, but it's not enough at a certain point. And even for the Bulls who haven't made the playoffs in four or five years, what good is being the one seed if you're not going to make a serious serious run at winning the whole thing? Mm-hmm. Um, there's no guarantee that you win it at that point, but like there's no reason you shouldn't be in the conversation if you're that good. Um, for the vast majority of the season. And Philly has basically been in that same, you know, for the last several weeks, they've been right in the same stratosphere as far as winning percentage and everything else. Like the same four or five teams have all been within two, three games of first place in the East. So I think all of them have to go for it, particularly a team that has a star like Embiid, who we've seen get hurt several times. I think when we talk about this, a lot of it is about um, avoiding criticism. and. What's really interesting to me, and I'm just this kind of just popped into my head, but like Anthony Davis won a title, 
And I know that LeBron was his teammate, so that uh, and it was in the bubble, and you know all these weird different variables and factors and elements. Um, but and he he played great. Mm-hmm. But it's like this guy is uh, still criticized a ton mm-hmm. um, by former players, by us, uh, and it seems like like that title didn't really do like anything for i i don't i, I don't know is, is am i like am i wrong here but it just it feels like we don't revere him like we do anyone else who might have played that well and won a championship at such a young age am hey, i making man, sense they, they they put this man on the top 75 so somebody which, reveres him, ridiculous which, which he shouldn't have been and <laughs> no. I, you know i was being asked about that by somebody else yesterday i'm like look i i, I kind of understand dame who made it to the conference finals on his own or, you know, without star level talent um, that was brought in from somewhere else. Um, Anthony Davis before that point, obviously he'd been a dominant player, but I'm not sure how far he makes it without LeBron on his team. Like maybe he could have had a different teammate. Who knows? Maybe he could have stayed there and they could have gotten Zion and maybe they could have been running mates or something, but probably not given that uh, Anthony Davis never wanted to step, set foot outside of playing power forward. So maybe mm-hmm. they couldn't have played together. But my point is that, um, yeah, I mean, obviously he's gotten a ton of plaudits and a ton of acclaim. I think there's playing in LA, you know, ask Kyle Kuzma or anybody else. Although Kuzma has been solid, you know, last couple of months, so not to knock him being in LA by itself kind of gives you a different layer of, um, of just attention that, that you don't get playing in smaller markets. Even if you play in a bigger market, I think just playing in LA for the Lakers alongside somebody like LeBron, just, you know, endorsements, everything else. I don't know how many commercials we had for Anthony Davis before he was a Laker, but I'm seeing him on potato chip commercials and soda commercials. Baby. Oh yeah. You know, shoes. And it's, it's, it's just, it's a different level. So he's definitely benefited from that. Now what I'll say, and I don't know if this was you officially hitting this question that we got from a reader, um, Mm -hmm. or if you wanted to get it, get to that, what we had in the outline. But I, I, I will say this, like whether we discount titles because of what was given up and then the idea that they only got one title. Granted, I'm from Chicago. Granted, I grew up toward the tail end of like the Bulls run of six titles. But I'm always a little bit confused when people are like, man, they only got one title. Um, like people did that when they talked about like the A-Rod era with the Yankees. Um, where obviously there was some other stuff that came up in his career with uh, PDs and everything else and, you know, lying about it, whatever else. Fine. But people are like, man, they've really paid that man this many years and this much money, and they only had one title to show for it. Mm-hmm. Maybe my perceptions work because to me, we spend so much time talking about these other people that never get titles. Carl Malone, I wrote a book about the Knicks, Patrick Ewing. Gary Payton, everybody else, John Stockton. How is it that we're looking at something? We look back, we're like, they only got one title. And keep in mind, if LeBron leaves after this year, it would have been one title after four years, right? I think, yeah, he's been in LA for four years now. Like, that's not anything. That's not somehow like a crime. Uh, Like, it's Anthony Davis may never win again. Like, that's you can't take that from him. Some people would like to because it was the bubble and it was with an asterisk, whatever else. Okay, but like I, I, I was saying this in my column about it a couple of days ago. We're certainly not going to knock Braun for having gotten one, even though it was probably partly his fault for going out and getting Russ. He would have won a title with every team he's been with to this point. So like that, that's really hard to do. Winning a championship is really, really hard to do. Mm-hmm. So if you only end up with one, the only exception I'll say will also involve LeBron. It's like maybe when you go into a press conference or like a, a media rollout and you go up on a stage and you're with your two buddies and you say, not one, not two, not four, not five, not six. Okay, fine. Then we might call that like a slight letdown mm-hmm. because there was maybe greater potential there and you made four finals in a row. But I'm not doing that with those Lakers. Like I wasn't ever completely convinced that the Lakers were so dominant that they were just going to go on and win titles to begin with. So I'm, I'm fine with it. I, I, it doesn't lessen them in my mind, not to mention if you trade Braun somewhere else, you're going to get like a haul back for him. And not to mention 
if we're going to trade Braun, like, hmm, is it worth it to trade Anthony Davis too, who hasn't been able to stay healthy for more than 20 games in a row? Like, you're going to get a haul for these two guys, and you're going to be able to rebuild probably pretty quickly if you do it the right way. Now, I don't know how much I trust Rob Palinka. That's a separate conversation for a separate day. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I'm not – maybe the Lakers are those Yankees fans I was telling you about that are, like, complaining about A-Rod and how much of a failure it was to only win one title with him. Because, like, titles are not easy to come by. They're just not. I, all I heard there was Yankees fans are terrible people, and I, I agree, Chris. <laughs> I agree. Uh, it's tough to argue with that point oh, that you man. made. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. You just kind of teed me up for this other email that we have, uh, and I want to get to it in one second. But first, the player that I wanted to mention that would just be, when we're talking about legacy building and everything it's just a little silly to get this this early but if John ja Morant leads the Grizzlies to the title this season um first of all just him winning a title at any point in Memphis would be one of the most remarkable achievements in NBA wow. history like uh it's right now they're the league's fourth youngest team he's 22 years old um it's obviously the, the 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 smallest television market and all of that and so free agency is just not going to be a thing for them throughout his time there maybe they won't need it but if he were to win a title this year it's just like what what happens from here what is the trajectory like where do we go from here with John Morant i just that's something that's in the back of my mind or at least it popped into my head when i first read this email Mm. because he's just uh i know he we're recording this on a a friday and last night he cramped up a little bit slipped on the floor um in transition and it was a little bit of a scary injury and injuries are something that um players of his size with his athleticism have dealt with throughout nba history it'll be a blessing if he can go an entire his entire career unscathed but if he does and, you know, if the Grizzlies reach the finals this year or something like that, I just think that his, I mean, he could be what we thought was going to happen for Derrick Rose. And by the way, uh, John Morant's season right now, he probably won't win the MVP. He's a candidate, but statistically better than mm. Derrick Rose in almost every way. So That's scary. I hadn't even thought about it from that standpoint, even though we hear that comparison a decent amount. Um, yeah. That's so it's, about he's them. a he's a really interesting one here because I feel like it's semi semi realistic that this could happen. I don't think it's going to, but it's semi realistic that it could. Man, I hope it does. And I we hear about all the, the the small market, you know, bias against small markets in the national media. Um and first of all, Milwaukee got theirs. Giannis re upped in Milwaukee for the Supermax. Um, before they won the title, I might add, mm-hmm. you know, so I think that's important. They win the title. You know, we were talking earlier about what if they win again? Um, you know, I, I it would be very nice to see even LeBron winning the title in Cleveland only happened after he went to Miami and then came back. So I think it would be really nice to see a couple teams in a row get that done. I don't know if that will happen. Um, it would be really cool to see, though. And Ja, man, like. He has a different personality and a different sort of mindset. I mean, he, what did he say? He said, we want to smoke. We climb up chimneys. Like, he basically sounded like, what are, what are chimney, chimney repairmen called? Yeah. He basically, he, he said that the Grizzlies are, are chimney repairmen on the side. Um, <laughs> you, you like that sort of mentality in sports, or I do. Um, 
I mean, we, we know that he's not afraid of anything. I mean, we see that every time he glides through the air and nearly, you know, decapitates himself on the rim. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. It would be awesome to see it. It would be awesome to see just because, like you said, we know nobody's signing up to go there. We did see some exceptions when LeBron went back to Cleveland, um, you know, but yeah, like you said, Memphis is not a place you're expecting guys to just run to the agents and, you know, run to their agents and say, please get me to Memphis. It's not something you hear very much. So it'd be very no. cool to see them get one. I'm not sure what that would look like. I don't think it will be this year, but it's been, it's part of the reason it's been very cool to see them have the season they've had. Yeah. Okay. So let's move on to this other email that we were just kind of teeing up a little bit. Uh, it comes from John who writes, hi, Michael Rohan and Chris, I believe whenever the LeBron era in LA ends, it will be a basketball apocalypse here in Los Angeles. It'll be like the end of the Kobe Bryant era only without draft picks. Assume for a moment that I am correct. Would the Lakers have had better long-term health as a franchise had they not signed LeBron or traded for AD? Please imagine them with most of these names. Brandon Ingram, Julius Randle, Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, Alex Caruso, Kyle Kuzma, Larry Nance Jr., Jordan Clarkson, uh, Ivica Zubats, plus all of the draft picks they sent out. Of course, go ahead and factor in that they already won a title with LeBron and Davis, but how would they look had none of that ever happened? Uh, so Chris, you like kind of answered this question already a little bit, but I do think it is a fascinating one. And first of all, like we don't know how any of those guys would have developed, how Ingram would have developed, how Randall would have developed if they held on to him uh, in that type of environment. Lonzo Ball, who had two really, rough years his first two seasons in the nba were not not very good in in my opinion um also the draft picks that they then sent out for anthony davis would they have uh deandre hunter on their team uh isaiah jackson was in this year's draft and cam thomas bones highland and quentin grimes were selected after him would they have those guys uh in 2020 they traded their pick um with Danny Green to get Dennis Schroeder, that pick became Jaden McDaniels, who is certainly headed for the Basketball Hall of Fame. So which uh, 10-year stretch are you taking? This is how I'm going to frame this question. Which 10-year stretch are you taking? The one LA is currently on that started with a championship mm-hmm. and is just, as our, our, our wonderful listener uh, John uh, called it, uh, a basketball apocalypse is on the horizon <laughs> or what about this alternate lebron ad free timeline which one would you rather have if you were a lakers fan i i, I mean but this is the thing and i this is what i'm saying um i don't know that basically with that question as we're looking at it is do you feel like brandon ingram either is would have been or will be good enough to win a championship with either him or Randall, which we just, we just saw Randall as the lead guy with the Knicks last year, shoot what 27% from the field for a series against like a, I mean, a a decent Hawks defense. I mean, they're, they're not dominant. They weren't dominant. Granted Deandre Hunter is really good. Granted Capella is really good. I mean, they weren't, they weren't like the nineties late, early 2000 Spurs, they weren't the Jordan Bulls in terms of defense. Like, they were okay. They're good, I guess. So, like, him, we haven't seen Ingram really in that role as, like, a lead guy in the playoffs. Um, Lonzo's really nice, I think, but we've seen him look really, really good as, like, a third or a fourth. I mean, maybe, like, a fourth or a fifth cog in an offense that has two other all-star level wing scores. I love Josh Hart in transition. Caruso's a great defender. But but like let's be real here. Like that's not necessarily a championship team. It's 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 a good there's no maybe superstar. at its best, like maybe closer to the top end of a conference sort of team that doesn't I'm not convinced yet. But again, and this is what I was saying in the last time I was talking about this. Okay, so if you're not sure if that team wins a title, why would you take that over the championship that you know you would have had or that you already got? With LeBron and AD, even if it's just one, maybe Lakers fans are oriented differently because they've won so many of them. From where I sit, I'm not. I'd I'd certainly think the over under with that other group is like half of one title, and I'm probably going to take the under with it just because I don't think that there's quite enough 
of anything. I mean, it would be it'd probably be an interesting team defensively, but like I'm not taking that group over the one that I know I'm getting the title with. Maybe the draft picks that you sent out bloom into something or blossom into something, but you also can't underestimate the fact that people want to come play with LeBron and you got AD that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and you got AD for really what you needed from AD was one run where he stays healthy enough. And LeBron, one run where he stays healthy enough with, with AD and builds chemistry and some defenders around that can shoot just enough. And that was enough to get you a title. So I'm not, I'm not banking on the other group more than the one that you get the title from. And I think to even ask the question kind of is, is losing sight of the fact that like, it's really, really hard to win championships in the NBA or any other sport. Yeah, I think I agree. Also, just like if you were the Lakers, the whole time, there's no superstar there. So the whole time what you're doing with all your assets and some of these really intriguing players, young players, is you're trying to trade for someone like Anthony right. Davis. Right. So that's like the end game, right? Because none of those guys are developing into the superstar that you need to actually win it all. So I know there's a lot more flexibility and I understand that uh, your future beyond this, you know, LeBron's old um, AD looks like he's hobbled and, and declining instead of entering his prime. Uh, Russell Westbrook is the worst contract in the NBA and uh, not good anymore. Um, I get that, but like, there's really no certainty that you would even get out of a plan ever. So I don't, mm. I don't know. Um, actually, I do know. I would rather have the title <laughs> with LeBron. Right. I, I just think we. I think every fan base does it. And I don't. Even, and and I also, I don't want to mistake um, John is a is a Laker fan. Maybe he isn't. But I think the point I was going to make is just I think fan bases and fans generally. How do I put this delicately? I don't even know. I'm trying to put it delicately for fans. Take the gloves off, Chris. Loves off. Um, I think fans tend to overrate their talent when they're young. Like every, I, I follow a lot of Knicks fans because of the years I was on the beat and would communicate with them. Um, everybody overrates their talent, certainly in that first year or two, in part because the talent, if you were talking about like NBA 2K, you don't know how good they are. It's like a question mark because you're not sure how they'll develop. It's team dependent. It's work ethic dependent. It's dependent on all these other factors. So you're not sure how good they are. You're also not sure how bad they are because even if they don't look good at first, that could be a factor of like environment or anything else. So because of that, you're unsure. And the last thing anybody ever wants to do is give up on someone too early or cash in their chips too early. So then when it becomes, it becomes a cryptocurrency and it's Bitcoin and then it goes, it's worth $18 trillion per Bitcoin. Nobody wants that. You don't want to <laughs> sell low and then it's, you know, it, it skyrockets. Uh-huh. So I, that's the fear everybody has. But I think we forget that, like, you sit on the asset too long and then it becomes a piece of junk. I mean, obviously, you have other ones that turn around and, and you know, reverse course. But like the next version of that was like a Kevin Knox where there probably was a time where you could have traded him for something. And hell, even now they got him for Cam Reddish, which is still kind of unreal to think about. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. you know, there are reasons for that. But like Kevin Knox was arguably like a, a, a worst, you know, one of the worst five, six players in the league. Um, 538 showed that just based on his the way his numbers looked and kind of his percentiles and everything that he was like far and away one of the worst players in the league after his first year. Um, just not an NBA level finisher or shooter or defender or anything. So anyway, in light of all that, you, you, you have players like that. Like, were you going to add him to this list of guys that the Lakers would have had? And like, wouldn't you rather have this guy with an AD or LeBron? No, I, I don't, I don't want that because he's a young player, but at some point you need them to step up in a way that like we don't know what any of those guys look like in key playoff series. We just don't. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. 
and you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. So that brings us to this other email that we have here that comes in from Eugene, who writes... Uh, as a Raptors fan, and by the way, uh, Raptors fans, I, I, I really apologize. I, there's a lot of emails that came flooding in because Rohan and I left you off of the top eight in our Eastern Conference power rankings. Ooh. Apologies. Um, Raptors are good. Just please stop sending emails about it. Um, <laughs> okay, so uh, Eugene writes, as a Raptors fan who was stung by Kawhi Leonard's departure after winning a championship, I've been watching with some glee the struggles of the Clippers and the Lakers. Both teams are headlined with aging and injury-prone stars, weak benches, and compromised future draft choices. My question, would you bet over or under one championship in L.A. over the next five years? Um, so thank you, Eugene. Wonderful question. I look, I don't know if this is a hot take or controversial, but like the Clippers are my pick to win the title next year. Um, I think they're just going to be a total monster and I have faith that Kawhi will be back and PG will be back and Norm Powell, who I think fractured his foot, um, will be back by next season. And, you know, they can re-sign Robert Covington. They have Luke Kennard is shooting like 100% from behind the three-point line. They just, they're just they so deep. Terrence Mann's under contract. Uh, I can go on down the list with guys on that team who are truly able to contribute at a, at a very high level on a championship contender. And they have one of the best coaches in basketball. Um, so I'm going over here pretty easily. I know that it's really hard to win the championship, as we've been talking about ad nauseum on this episode. But the Clippers are just like kind of like a sleeping giant, I feel like. And no one's talking about them because of Kawhi's injury and PG's injury. But like they're very, very, very good. Going to be very, very, very good. So I'm just saying the over based on that alone and not even on... Hey, the Lakers could, you know, they still have LeBron and AD, and I know it's really dark right now, but, you know, they could uh, somehow get off of Westbrook's contract this summer. I assume they will. They have their 2029 and 2027 picks to to, to play with. Uh, Taylor Horton Tucker's probably going to get traded too, I would imagine. Um, so, yeah, like the over is kind of, I didn't really have to think too hard about it. Me neither. Me neither. Um, I look, I, I love the over under on one specifically. If you, if you're saying, do you think they'll win more than one? I'm not sure the city of Los Angeles, but, um, if we're putting it at half, meaning that it's either gotta be zero or more than one or more, yeah. um, I'm taking the over for the same reason you just said, I think the Clippers, hell, if you, if you could somehow get PG and Kawhi back this year, the Clippers would be an intriguing pick. It sounds like that may not happen. Even if you get Kawhi back, it sounds like PG might be out. Um, you know, but that's a that's a team that um, balance wise, coaching wise, you really trust um, year in year out to at least make a run. They'll always have at least a run or two in them, um, and that's without even knowing what the Lakers look like. And even if the Lakers do decide to rebuild, and which they would only do that if LeBron says I want out of here, which it sounds like, depending on who you talk to or who you hear from. He may not actually want out of L.A. It might just be that he's trying to apply pressure to them to force them to make moves and basically force them to get off Westbrook. If that's the mm-hmm. case, then like you said, it's going to take some really skillful maneuvering to find the right pieces to trade to get off of Westbrook's deal to bring somebody in that's useful and meaningful. But, I mean, it's crazier things have happened than LeBron James finding a way to win a championship. I'll put it that way. 
Um, so, you know, you could make the argument that just one of those teams or the other, you said over under a championship for the, just the Clippers or over under for just the Lakers, I think maybe almost would have been a better question or more intriguing question, but the two of them combined, I'll, I'll take, I'll take one for the next five years. I don't know which one it'll be, but I would take one of them. If we were separating them for the record, I would go under on the Lakers and over on the Clippers. Um, yeah, I, that doesn't surprise me. And I, I, I've known for a while how you feel about the Clippers and like, you know, as, as much as I want to be like, ha ha ha. No, I mean like they're top to bottom. Their roster is pretty nasty. And, uh, I mean, Ty Lu clearly knows what he's doing, clearly has them kind of in, in a race, despite all the injuries they've had, which, mm-hmm. you know, to some extent you wonder if that maybe bolsters the team even more for when you get those guys back, because those other guys have been used to having to step up. So, um, no, it, it's not a crazy thought. So our next email comes in from Ali, and this is a subject we basically have completely ignored, um, admittedly, uh, all season long. But uh, Ali writes, hey, guys, it's Ali from Detroit. Cade Cunningham and Sadiq Bey are one of the most exciting young duos in the league, and no one cares. While I do understand the lack of buzz these two are getting, especially considering Cade's slow start to the season and Sadiq opening the year with one of the worst sophomore slumps I've ever seen, what these two have been able to do together within the last 30 to 40 games, albeit on a losing team, has been worth mentioning. The tendency for us to overlook this type of talent on small market teams is saddening. Maybe it's because we aren't getting a lot of wins, maybe because it's Detroit, But it took Candace Parker going off script and calling out the entire TNT crew a couple weeks back for Cade's historic 34-884 game to get even the slightest mention on any national network. While the Pistons are clearly tanking this year, their historically low win count can also be attributed to the litany of injuries the team has faced, forcing them to be led by a gang of 20-24-year-olds and Corey Joseph. I'm expecting Detroit to surprise a decent number of teams in the last stretch of the season, I think we're in a good spot record-wise to where we can win a lot of games and still be in position to land a top three to five pick in the upcoming draft. The future is bright here in Detroit. What do you guys think? Hmm. Uh, thank you, Ali. Um, I did not. I read that email and I was like, you know, I don't want to be one of those people who ignores. We talk a lot, Lakers. A lot of Lakers. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of big market stuff and. I remember like 10, 15 years ago, I was like, hey, if I ever host a podcast, (laughs) I do not want to be that person who just completely turns my head around and ignores the Detroit Pistons of the world. So wanted to shout out uh, Ali for writing this email. And I want to show some love to Cade. First of all, I love Cade. I love Sadiq. Those are the two players that were highlighted here. Um, But I just... I I mean, I agree fundamentally with everything that he's saying. Uh, they're probably going to finish with a 52.1% chance at a top four pick, 14% chance at the first overall pick. They have a bunch of cap space this summer. And in my humble opinion, should probably target Jalen Brunson, throw the bag at Jalen Brunson, give up on Killian Hayes. I'm sorry, Killian, but it, it just hasn't been great makes me sad. for him. Yeah. It does. It's tough to watch. Uh, I'm not saying his career is over, but maybe move on from him in the same way that the Mavericks had to with uh, Luca and Dennis Smith Jr. Um, but, you know, Bay has doubled his assist rate from his rookie year, which is really nice. Uh, I love his size. I love his quick release. I love how him and Cade can play in just about any type of lineup together because of their positional versatility and their skill sets. Uh, and Cade just like slowly but surely is going to finish second maybe first probably not first i think evan mobley might have locked it up even though Cade just beat the uh beat evan mobley's team last night um but Cade might win rookie of the year who knows he's actually very very good uh his all-around game is very um it's very encouraging to see the steps that he's taken particularly as a playmaker i love watching him uh compete uh, he's he's kind of everything you want in a franchise guy. I think they made the right choice by taking him. They're not going to be disappointed at all. And like when you surround both of them with more shooting, both of them have struggled a ton finishing around the rim this right. year. 
But if you look at the numbers, even just with the Kelly Olenek on and off splits, both of them are better in the paint at in the restricted area by noticeable margins. So I just think you add some spacing, you you add another playmaking playmaker like Jalen Brunson, another scorer who defenses have to pay attention to. And I think this team can be like maybe even uh, pushing for the, for the plan as early as next season. I really do. So shout out to Detroit. Uh, shout out to Cade. Wow. Sadiq Bay. That's a big endorsement. Am I, am I, I remember you before the season started, they were like one of your favorite league pass teams. Right? I was about to say it now. I, I, I'm, okay. I'm surprised I remember that. Um, they were, I probably would have put them somewhere near my top 10. That was last year based on last year. And I think uh-huh. I probably enjoyed watching them a little bit more last year. There's been more intrigue around them this year because of Cade, but there's also been some rough, rough watches from this Pistons team. At, at oh yeah, over they're the course of watch. the year, in part because <laughs> they're so committed to playing somebody like Killian Hayes, who you know, quite frankly, just hasn't really looked the part. Um, and it's even more jarring to watch when you watch how much Cade is developing, how quickly he's developing. Um, but I mean, they have some fun players that I feel like you could plug these guys in winning organizations right now and they'd be useful. Sadiq Bey being at the top of that list. Um, they're going to add the pick. I, I've loved Isaiah Stewart for a while now. Um, so, I mean, this and, and Cade, I think the interesting thing is like you watch young teams. One of the things I like most about young teams, it's the same reason I think people like <laughs> just rave about little children, their own children, their friends' children. When they're growing up, you, you're watching them learn things and just figure out things and you're watching the wheels turn in their head, which is kind of a beautiful process. You see that happen with the Pistons when you watch them play. The crazy thing is that I feel like I watch Cade in a lot of like clutch moments and how spot on he is with passes sometimes and mm-hmm. hit the guy right in the hands. And it's like, they drop the ball. They missed the shot. They missed the layup. I remember there's one game. I think it was, he threw an alley-oop to Hamadou Diallo. He just missed the dunk. Um, in a game where like they couldn't score in the overtime. I think they won the game anyway, because then he threw another lob to Diallo that he finished. And I'm just like, dude, this dude finished, you know, he got around the defense and, and found two lobs in the last minute of an overtime game. Like this guy's real. Cade is, is, is legit. And um, I think we'll be fine. You look at the numbers and, you know, you, you, you'd probably think that this team isn't much. Some of the guys have field goal percentages that look more like batting averages. Um, but it's a, it's, it's a team that's figuring it out that I'm not worried about in the slightest. I enjoy watching them play. Like I said, probably a little bit more last year than this year, but I, I legitimately enjoy them. Um, I think the truth is like, I, when I thought about the Pistons and the, the, the framing of the question, I used to, to date someone that I would always talk about like investment properties and, the person I was dating was like, oh, I wouldn't want to invest there. Like that area is like not nice. And it's like, yeah, but you're investing in it. And so you're banking on the fact that it will become nice at some point. Is this so, why you did this? Is this why you stopped dating this person? One of the reasons. Yes, very much. Um, <laughs> no vision. You, you need to have vision in your, in your life. And uh, I just kind of feel like the, you know, you, you have to understand that. I mean, Shaq and, and, Barkley, they kind of make light of how little national basketball they watch. Um, they talk constantly. I mean, they have a, a who we play for segment. So mm-hmm. you can't really go there hoping that Candace Parker is wonderful and is fantastic when it comes to analyzing the game. I wish there was more opportunity for her to do even more than she does the one time per week. But most people aren't watching the game like that. You know, I think Michael and I take pride in doing that. I think a lot of other folks do around the league, but this team is going to get plenty of attention when they when they start winning more games. Mm-hmm. Pistons have not made that a priority for right now for obvious reasons, but they'll get there. And and when they get there, and when Cade rounds out hopefully into one of the better players in the league, I think that you'll uh, you'll you'll start to see them talked about more, and you'll hopefully continue to watch these guys grow a little bit. Well said, Chris. Well said. Um, our last email now comes in from Franco. And this is one that I, I was saving for you, Chris, because uh, you are one of the smarter writers um, in the NBA writing community. And uh, you put me on, every time I read your stuff, you put me on to a new stat or a new 
just way to kind of look at the game. So uh, I'm really excited to, to hear your answer to this question. Um, it comes in from Franco, who writes, hey, guys, longtime listener, maybe first time writer. My question is, if you could wave a magic wand and change what's on the box score, what would it look like? Some advanced numbers to contemplate. Effective field goal percentage, true shooting percentage, contested rebounds, assist rate, etc. And man, is there even a good one for defense? Thanks, guys. Uh, so thank you, Franco. Wonderful hmm. question. Good question. Um, I have an answer here, but I, I want to get... I'm, I'm, I'm chomping at the bit for what you have to say here, Chris. Well, I, I think to the last question he posed there, is there a good one for defense? Probably not game to game. No. But I, one that I do use every now and then for certain things. I don't know if they have it on a game to game level, so I guess I don't use it. But the hustle stats are interesting to look at. The league keeps those. They keep the number of times that people come up with loose balls. They come up with what percentage of loose balls they come up with. And I think you, you've had games, certainly as someone that, you know, I feel like really was high on the Bulls this year. Um, I was interested in them picking up Alex Caruso for exactly that reason. That like we were talking about a team that just really didn't have any teeth defensively. A lot of people perceived them that way. And lo and behold, when Lonzo and Caruso are on the court together, which is the way they've ended games when those two have been healthy, it's a team that really is difficult to score on. And I think in part because, and you've even seen highlights of this, Caruso falling out of bounds, saving a loose ball, getting it to, um, I think it was, was it, who was it that he threw the ball to? Somebody, Lonzo. Lonzo threw, throws a baseball pass. He saves it to Lonzo. Mm-hmm. Lonzo throws a baseball pass and Levine dunks it home on the other end. Like that's the sort of play that you actually can kind of think about if you're trying to write about the hustle plays, for instance. You can write about it through that prism. They've won games that way. Um, so I do think that there's some things like that defensively you can add in. I wouldn't feel super comfortable about grading every game that way, the way we use plus minus. Um and even with that, I'm not completely sure. I would say maybe the only one I would think about of the ones he lists is maybe like assist percentage, where sometimes you talk about, I feel like every now and then more over the last five years, when we look at Luca or LeBron or certain guys that like every basket goes through him. Harden is another good example where they might score 39 points, but they've also got 18 assists. So basically more or less every basket was going through them. So either something like an assist percentage or something like a percentage of field goals that someone was in some way responsible for, like almost like an all-purpose yards sort of stat in basketball. I think that could be mm-hmm. useful, something like that. Yeah, I like – well, f- for the shooting, I I think true shooting should be – like I just – field goal percentage got to go. And uh, I'm so tired should- of that, that Westbrook – has a higher field goal percentage than step stat. So dumb. Around. Yeah. Um, I've recently started to fall in love with two point field goal percentage a little bit. Um, but yeah, no regular field goal percentage is dumb because the three point line. Um, so true shooting percentage, which factors in the three point line and free throws is uh, we should calculate that on a game to game basis. That would be nice to have on box scores. Um, potential assists. As opposed to regular assists, I would like to see. Uh, just because, as you were saying with Cade, as an example, like what are his potential assists per game if guys are just flubbing everything game. left and right? Exactly. <laughs> um, so that would be cool. And I'm a big uh, usage rate person. And uh, I think seeing that on a game-to-game would be nice and very interesting, particularly like on it. these contests where, like, and beads is just you know forty eight or whatever, and you're just like, like oh my it. god, yeah. Like and you can look at that just from I think the advanced box scores on. Oh uh, yeah, you can get all this. Yeah, you, you can get all this stuff if you like look hard enough. But exactly. uh, like okay. when I'm at a game and they're you know they're passing around, you know they print out. Uh, Lord knows why they still do this. They print out the box. <laughs> so score many trees they, bothered for no reason. Exactly, and uh, all the stats on there are just kind of. Meh, and they give them to the players, and the players sit at the podium. They're like, "Uh, yeah, um, I had seven assists." And it's just like this is useless. Like, 
So just like a little bit more of um, uh, a flu a fluidity with the advanced numbers and conversation and scenarios like that in that context as well is kind of what I was imagining when I was talking I about agree. the box score. Um, okay, Chris, I think that'll do it for today's show. Thank you so much. Thank you so much to our listeners. Uh, please keep the emails coming to openfloormail at gmail.com. That's openfloormail at gmail.com. Uh, everybody, please, please, please stay safe. Everybody, uh, please continue to enjoy NBA basketball. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network work. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.